with the haunting season upon us, we turn our attention to darker things. And in this realm, there's nothing darker than the devil. The devil's been a part of our culture for as far back as history tells us. Or has he? Is the devil a fallen angel cast to earth to run dominion over God's people? Is he a construct to keep control of a culture through fear-based manipulation? Or has the devil taken on a life of its own? Tonight, we sit down with a man that knows a thing or two about legends, facts, and the gray area that lives in between. Author, researcher, and sought-after public speaker Jeff Belanger joins us to navigate the rocky grounds of dealing with the devil. We do that next, right here on the Best in Paranormal Podcasting. This is the Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. I'm not going to stand here and listen to this baloney. He won't know. He doesn't stand for baloney. Darklings, you're in for a treat tonight. As Halloween season is here, obviously September through November is considered the Halloween season, I knew that we wanted to talk about some interesting aspects of this darkness, this this thing that fascinates all of us. And usually I like to break up the episode with two or three guests and some other little funny moments throughout the show. But today I wanted to give the devil his due. I wanted to talk about something that is considered to be the epitome of evil, the Dark Lord. And Jeff Belanger, he is a good friend of ours. He is an author, researcher, lecturer, as I said, and has been doing a remarkable presentation about this. For those of you that still may be living in a cave somewhere and have just found your way to the surface, Jeff Belanger is one of the hosts of New England Legends. He is also joined by his partner, and co-host Ray Auger. You can find more information about this program on tonight's program guide. But I also want to take just a quick moment to toot the horn of my buddy because it's the 21st century. Why not? This season, holidays are around the corner. Listen, we've been coming out of a dark space for a long time. You're looking for something to help motivate people, something to help breathe a little life and positivity back into people's life. Let me recommend this book, Kilimanjaro. Finding Hope Above the Clouds. Jeff Belanger is the author of this book, The Call of Kilimanjaro, and it is an amazing book. Truthfully, one of the best books I've ever had a chance to read. Inspirational in many ways and spiritual in all ways. This is not just a story of one man, but it's a story of all of us and what we need to look for and see in life and in the experiences around us. I promise you, Everybody that I've recommended this book to thanks me. They absolutely love it. Pick this book up. Buy it for your friends, your relatives, or yourself for the holiday. You deserve a pickup. And as we're going to be talking about the darkness, I wanted to bring a little light into your world by recommending that book. And ladies and gentlemen, it's time to bring even more light into our world. Please welcome Jeff Belanger. Hi, Jeff. Dave, good to be with you again. Good to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we got a lot to, to unpack with this, right? The devil. I grew up Lutheran grade school, Trinity Lutheran School in Roselle, man. 
black marks right on your heart. Every time you're sinning, there's a black mark put there. The devil's just tallying you up. And at the end of the days, all those black marks are going to be counted against you. That was part of the kind of culture between my Catholic uh, you know, father and Lutheran upbringing that that I was brought under and the devil is not the guy you want to come across. And I came up in that era of the exorcist and the omen and the, you know, the possession movies, and it is a terrifying aspect, but there are a lot of questions surrounding the devil and what is the devil? What does it really mean? And people are now looking at the Bible and religion in different ways, um, kind of deconstructing the story and the, uh, idolatry of each one of the characters that are represented. So this this is fascinating. What drew your attention to really kind of start looking into this aspect of the supernatural and of of our realm? So I was raised Catholic, and so the devil was part of my upbringing as well. And Catholicism is interesting because there's God and the devil, and there's angels, and there's demons, and there's sinners, and there's saints, and there's purgatory. I mean, there's a whole spectrum there. Uh, but but like you, you know, I was warned about the black marks and and that the devil was lurking to tempt me, and and uh, that's who awaited me if I chose a, a bad path. The way I got into him more recently is that uh, through chasing legend stories all over, but especially my podcast, New England Legends he kept coming up, <laughs> you know, like there's uh, stories of like the devil's footprint, the devil's crossroad, purgatory chasm, uh, the devil's bean pot in New Hampshire. Like he comes up again and again, we're naming hundreds and hundreds of landmarks after him roads, devil foot road and mm-hmm. Rhode Island. I mean, why are we so obsessed with this entity that we're supposed to be so horribly afraid of? And so I was like, well, well, who is the devil? And it's one of these things, I don't know about you, Dave, but sometimes a, a question gets lodged in my mind and I can't stop thinking about it. And it right. led me down the rabbit hole. I, I will tell you, I've as I've grown in my journey in the supernatural and, and trying to understand the paranormal, I believe there is evil that okay. exists. I believe that there are bad things. I don't believe that they're necessarily demonic or of the devil. I think that evil is a construct as well. It's something that we give into as part of who we are. I saw this uh, this quote that I thought was interesting. Satan doesn't exist. You do. Take responsible, yeah. uh, responsibility for your own actions. Now, I don't want to dismiss that construct or make it seem as though I'm dismissing religion on the whole. I have a very good, healthy relationship with God and and Christ. And I call upon him as people watch the the Ghosts of Devil's Perch uh, TV series. I, I pray a lot and I talk about prayer throughout our show. And I believe in that um, that positivity, that energy, that universal source that, that brings us together. Um, the devil... I, and, and what's the other famous saying the 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 best trick the devil ever played on us was to make us believe he does not exist yeah that's true you know, well so yeah. <laughs> i'm glad you said that you believe in evil because i would i would like to ask the question now and as mm-hmm. we're getting ready to wrap up and this is a rhetorical question for everyone watching and sure. listening do you believe in evil it sounds like a really easy question to answer it does and for example, Dave, if I asked you, can you give me an example of evil, either real world or hypothetical even? You know, you can you can make up a hypothetical, like if a person did this, that is evil. But go ahead. Can you think of one? I can uh, from a very personal nature, um, you know, having lost a friend and, and her two children to a brutal murder. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, to me, that was what, what these people did. 
what what they involved themselves in doing this long play goal of of stealing this woman's baby, killing her, killing her other children. It was horrific to me. That is the antithesis of evil. Uh, you mean the you mean it is evil? Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, antithesis. Yeah, so no. Uh, okay, fine. And I, and I bet there's very few people who would argue with you. Mm-hmm. Very few people besides me. <laughs> uh, I know. I know. No, it was hang, hang with me. I'm not saying it's not right. despicable, deplorable, right. awful. And I don't want to live in a world where that happens. Absolutely no question. And I'm mm-hmm. sure everybody right now is thinking of similar things they've thought of. You know, school shootings, uh, massacres, people that torture, uh, rape, kill, all that stuff. I get it. But I want you to imagine a world 20, 30,000 years ago when humans were hunters and gatherers and we lived in small groups, 20 people, 30, like 50 to 75 people would be about as big a group as you could possibly maintain. Um, there weren't really notions of evil back then. However, uh, they did notice the environment and they noticed hot and they noticed cold and they noticed light, light and dark and alive and dead and um, you know, warm and cold and wet and dry and all these things, right? They had to uh, in order to to survive. And the thing is, everybody knew everybody. So there was inherent trust. And if you don't have food and I do have food, I absolutely must give you some of mine because that's the deal. We're hunters and gatherers. And the next time it could be you that has it and I don't. So it's, it's all very um, concise. There's not really uh, notions of gods or anything. There's ancestor worship, the idea that our ancestors are guiding us, but not so much gods or, or demons yet. But then we started farming. And once we started farming like 10 to 12,000 years ago, now we can have bigger groups. It's no longer 20 people. Now it could be 100 or 500 or 1,000, and you're not all going to know everybody. And now that we have that, well, you could steal from me, and I might not even know it. I might not even catch you. You know, I mean, you might get away with it. And so now we're going to start to need rules in order to live in a society where, you know, I, I mean, I, it's, it's precarious when you're farming. If something goes wrong with the crop, we could all be in trouble, you know? So, so now we need rules. And so deities start to form. And then you have this, this early notion of, uh, you know, like pharaohs who were half human, half God. They had a foot in each realm and they could argue on your behalf. So you could say, boy, we need rain. It, it's, there's been such a drought. And the pharaoh could go to the gods and, and ask for rain. And if the rain comes, the pharaoh can take all the credit. Well, I, I argued on your behalf, and here's the rain. You're welcome. Uh, if the rain doesn't come, the pharaoh can say, you're not behaving right. There's people among you that are stealing and doing things that uh, we tell you are not good, and the gods are angry. So we're either going to have to clean that up or make a sacrifice or both. And so it becomes sort of like this sense of control. So when things go bad, I can say it's you. When things go good, I can take all the credit. Uh, and so we now have this notion of supernatural entities that are, are looking out on our behalf and ready to punish us if we don't do the right thing. And that starts really, you know, 3000, 4000 BC uh, is when we start to get these early notions of, of gods. Um, and there's, and, and by the way, bad stuff happened back then, right? There could be floods and hurricanes and, 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 you know, pandemics and things like that that could wipe people out and people were horrified. Uh, and you, and you, it's bad, but is it evil, Mm -hmm. right? Is it evil? And that's, that's the question. Uh, I don't think anyone would argue that if a tornado tears through a town and breaks up a bunch of houses and kills people, the tornado is not evil. 
It's just chaos. And someone got in the way of that chaos. Um, so anyway, being raised Catholic, I start to look into this and the devil doesn't really show up much in the Old Testament. Some people will tell you that in the Garden of Eden, the serpent who tempts, you know, Adam and Eve with the apple from or the, you know, from the mm-hmm. tree of knowledge um, is the devil. But the Bible doesn't say that. In fact, the Bible says God punished the serpent to crawl on his belly for all of eternity as punishment for what, you know, the, the, the serpent did. That doesn't sound like a devil to me. It's just later that someone would say like, yes, that was Satan, the opposer. That was that was the devil. But I disagree. Uh, otherwise, if the Bible wanted us to know that was the devil, the Bible would have made it the devil, right? Someone would have written that in. So in the Old Testament, God doles out the rewards and the punishments, right? God will wipe out a mm-hmm. whole city if he's upset. And then, and then man can sort of plead with God like, hey, if there's a thousand honest men in Sodom and Gomorrah, would you spare the city? And God says, yeah, okay, I would. Okay, what if there was a hundred honest men? Would you spare the city? Okay, what if there was one honest man? Yes, I guess for the sake of the one, I would have to spare the city. So people are literally pleading with God, don't just wipe out this city because you're mad, you know, um, which is which is amazing to be, you know, bargaining with your creator. Uh, um, but the devil's really not in the Old Testament too much. But in the New Testament, God becomes the God of good. And, and if there's good things, right, obviously there's lots of good things and blessings. Uh, we, we know the world still hands us bad things. So who's responsible for that? And the devil starts to evolve from there. But really, in, in the early church, the first hundreds of years of the church, the devil is not a prominent figure. It's just not. I mean, he's, he's not really much of a figure at all. And everything you think you know about the devil, I'm here to tell you, what he looks like, where he lives, what he does, you know, all those things has been taught to you by artists, not theologians, not anybody else, writers, painters, sculptors, artists have painted the picture of what you think the devil looks like. I'll tell you this. I always thought I knew what the devil was until I did an interview about 13, 14 years ago with a woman who came face to face with the devil. It was truly one of the best press releases I'd ever read. And this woman met the devil incarnate. That means the human element, the human form of the devil. And I interviewed her. She was charming. And I said, how did you meet the devil? She said, well, I was looking in the penny saver and there was an ad for somebody looking for a dance partner. And I I answered that because the devil likes to dance. I grew up in Chicago. I know the story of Resurrection Mary and and, uh, you know, the, the devil that was dancing in the parlor and all of these crazy stories. Right. So that makes sense to me. And I'm like, all right, go on. It's nice to know that in, in the economy, as it was 15 years ago, that even the devil had to run an ad in the penny saver. Right. Yeah. Um, and then I said, where, where did he live? Well, he had a double wide in uh, Arkansas. <laughs> of course he did. Hell, you know, hell is a construct that doesn't exist either to most theologians. They believe hell comes later. The devil and all of his minions are here upon the earth. And so it's a really weird construct. How many different elements, no matter what religion you believe in, have different theories and beliefs of what hell is, what these things are, where it exists and how it exists. And it, it's really been an interesting thing. And this is a, a strange dance, right? Do you find this that I, I can already hear people hammering away at the keyboards at all oh, that Jeff, Jeff is a heathen and he's trying to, 
And I'm like, no, we, we need to expand our consciousness because even if you do believe in a God, he doesn't want you believing blindly in what you're told. You have to learn, you have to educate and, and then discern for yourself what makes sense. So I give into these moments of let's learn together. So before you fire off your emails to me about how could I have this godless heathen on my show, uh, this godless heathen happens to be one of my best friends. So I, I'll accept this and let's walk down this path together to find out a little bit more. But you're right. right. The construct of the devil, as in angels and other things, art represents a lot of that. It, it provides our imagery of a very <laughs> American looking uh, white Anglo-Saxon Jesus, right, which doesn't really Makes yeah. sense with the culture he would have been brought up in, the devil being this this alternative. Do you think, just curiosity, and I know you've got to talk on this, but I I often wondered if it was if God and the devil were one of the same coin. One oh, yeah. that that the devil, because as you brought up, right, is the tornado evil for destruction? We think the devil's horrible for the things he does, yet in the Bible. God's wiping out cities and villages and towns and then says, screw it all. I'm flooded the whole, the whole planet. Flooded right? the whole planet, so, yeah. To everybody on earth, that had to seem pretty evil, right? That that weren't aboard Noah's Ark, right? So there, there <laughs> right. is that concept. Is this about the duality of man? Is it about the duality of of nature itself, that there is good and bad? There, but it, it isn't so easily defined. We want a pigeonhole and put things into boxes of good and bad and neutral, right? It, yep. it, it's an interesting way to kind of examine these concepts without throwing away the belief in theology or religion. And I think there's room for all of it. But, uh, okay, so art. Right. I appreciate the dance you just did there, and I promise this is going to come around to a wonderful place. Just hang in there, everybody. <laughs> I know. I just want to keep people engaged so they're yeah. not like automatic. I can I can feel the seething and hatred, no, the no. evil building uh, by people that, that want to already throw barbs at the concept that you're wrong and, yeah. and you're yeah, not. And, and by the way, let me say straight up, I might be. And 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 not only that, uh, and the jury's out for me when when I ask you know some of these questions. I'm I'm exploring it myself. Right. Um, one one other quick story, and then I'd, I'd like to look at um, some of the art I sent you. Um, sure. So there's also the notion that that um, that Lucifer is the fallen angel, and mm -hmm. that 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 represents the devil character. That someone tried to rise up against God, but then we're told in the Bible there was no sin before this happened, but it would be a sin to rise up against God. It creates a quandary, but whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, call it metaphor if you want. But I think Lucifer is really a, a mistranslation because Lucifer means light bringer. It's the morning star. The morning star is Venus, right? It's it's um, this, this notion that um, I, I think maybe Lucifer got a bad rap, you know, um, in this case. But anyway, no matter. Uh, so so the church is starting to evolve in, in the centuries, you know, first first century, second century, third century and so on and getting organized and growing and expanding and getting more popular. Uh, the devil is not depicted much uh, in art or the literature of the earliest days. However, one mosaic survives, and this is from the 500s AD uh, in Italy. It still survives. And I'm going to ask you to show this, Dave. Um, the, I'll tell you right now, the, the figure in the middle is Jesus. And then mm -hmm. there's an, there's uh, the, the reddish angel, and then there's the bluish angel. And I'll tell you right now, one of those is supposed to be Satan or the devil. Would you like to guess which one, Dave, or well, anyone else? 
off of the construct of what we've been taught to believe, I would believe it is the one swaddled in red. Right, because red is an evil dark color uh, in yeah. modern times. However, uh, if if you look at the, the 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 animals, the sheep are on our left, but Jesus is right, and the goats are on our right, Jesus is left. So the left is the goats, the bad, and the left is Satan in blue. But certainly, if those two angels, one in blue, one in red, walked up to you, neither looks frightening, right? They mm -hmm. both look sort of beautiful, right? Mm -hmm. So that's that's how the devil was depicted early on, was just like another angel doing a job um, and doesn't look so much even in an opposition. And I thought of this, too. You know, if you believe in God and the devil, wouldn't isn't the devil doing noble work? I mean, God doesn't want murderers and killers and so on up in heaven. Right. It's like it's like the prison warden, you know, like that's that's a job that someone has to do. But anyway, no matter. So that's that's around 500, 550 A.D. But then the the Middle Ages come and the Renaissance period. And this is a period when the, the gap between the haves and the have nots is starting to grow. There are mm. people who are just dirt poor and struggling to survive. And there are people who are starting to get wealthy and the people who are poor uh, get desperate. And when you get desperate, you'll do anything steal, kill, whatever you got to do. And the devil gets more and more popular. The biggest patron of the arts in this time period is the church. The church hires artists and says, this is what we're looking for. Paint this scene. Mm -hmm. And so uh, if you look at the next one I sent you, this is, um, what's the date on it? That's the... Six, was it? Uh, oh God, 13? I can't see it while I've got it pulled up something. Yeah. So, so this is the 1300s now, and now the devil's getting a little scarier, a little bit more horrific. If mm -hmm. we move ahead another couple centuries, here's the next one. Um, and, and now you're starting to see what when people think of the devil, like the red, the horns, kind of like the old pan uh, figure from Greek mythology. Um, and, and it becomes like, you know, a combination of a lot of old belief systems in, you know, bat winged, you know, angels and, and things like that. Uh, and the devil comes into his own. Two things are happening. These paintings are adorning churches and the churches are realizing that, hey, it's putting butts in seats, right? Like people are coming to see these horrific. Hey, some of us like horror movies, right? And mm -hmm. so this was the horror movies of the, the Middle Ages and the Renaissance. Uh, you know, people are coming to see this. But also it's it's a it's a tool to say, like, look, if some of us will go and do good just for good sake, you know, we, we can just stay on the moral path. Some of us need a warning. Some of us need, you know, some of us won't speed down the highway unless there's, you know, with it. But if there's a cop there, people need that sort of thing to, to keep you in control. So the devil becomes a powerful tool. So powerful, in fact, that church leaders can start to, to accuse people of being in league with the devil. And once you're in league with the devil, you're in serious trouble because they can take your life, your land, your home, everything that you have. Uh, you know, we we think of of witch trials, Salem in 1692, witch trials went on for centuries. And mm -hmm. the second I call you a witch or that you are in league with the devil, you're now you're now below me and I'm above you. And there's nothing you can do except try to prove yourself innocent. And if you fail to do that, I get everything that you have. I take it all. Uh, so you have to do as I say, or I could just cast that accusation at you if I'm the church. I become all powerful thanks to mm -hmm. the devil, not to God, but to the devil. And that's dangerous. And so here's the problem is that, you know, uh, there's another meme that goes around like, you know, people 
think about the witches. How about the, the people that did that to them, that hanged them and pressed them to death and stoned them and, and, and tortured them, right? Because they were told these people are in league with the devil. And how do you prove it? How do you prove it anyway? So this notion of evil, it occurs to me, is that it, it's something that's coming from within us. If I call something evil, what can I do with evil? You can't negotiate with evil. You can't right. barter with it. You can't sit down and have a beer and find middle ground. You can just destroy it. And you're, Dave, you, you lived through the satanic panic of the 1980s. Remember, we weren't allowed to listen to Ozzy Osbourne and Black Sabbath yeah. and like certain music, right? Because, oh, it's satanic. Here we are again. It's happening now. Vladimir Putin just said the other day, right? Uh, he said the West are Satanists. We're Satanists. Everybody is a Satanist. We're in league with the devil. We're back. We are back to the Middle Ages and the Renaissance. As soon as I say all Democrats are evil or all Republicans are evil, I've put them below me and there's no negotiating with that. And there's nothing you can do to defend yourself except right. say, no, I'm not. I'm not evil just because I vote with one political party. Right. Oh, that's that's just what evil would say. Well, and now I'm the I'm the holy crusader. Right. I am the moral high ground. Look to me for the answers because Jeff is going to lead you astray. He's right. going to take you down these paths because he is a hedonistic Satan worshiper. Why would you give him your, oh my God. And then that's how it, right. There, there's that yeah. dynamic in that shift. We want, there has to be a bad guy. And, and, and what's more evil than taking everything from someone, mm -hmm. right? Well, what's I, more evil than listen. calling someone evil? Right. So I've been to all of these foreign countries. I go in and I look at these gothic, gorgeous churches and mm -hmm. you stand in reverence and you go, what beauty here. But I often ask myself, I don't know that I feel God here. And, and, and I know that sounds weird, but I think to myself, look at when this was built. This, this is a testament to the time. This church has stood for 400 years. It still stands here, whereas the civilization around it has risen and fallen repeatedly. And I think about how many people this church could have fed, how many people this church could have saved and housed and, and educated, the building and constructs of these churches and the cathedrals that went along with them. And, and then again, you start to look at, we're taught that greed and gluttony is bad unless it benefits us. Right. Yeah. And that, and that's the thing. So, uh, you know, as the Middle Ages, uh, Dante writes the Divine Comedy, Dante's Inferno, that's in 1472. And mm -hmm. that, you know, the, the seven layers or the, the multiple layers of hell and the torture and the torment, uh, you know, Milton, Paradise Lost, you know, all these things. Uh, we start to really define what hell is because the Bible doesn't give us that definition. So the artists use their imagination and, and they're given some pretty cool free reign. You know, be as wild as you can. Think of the most horrible things. And painters are probably having a great time with it, you know, and, and sculptors and so on, um, because they can just imagine what this 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 holy hell must be. And so mm -hmm. as time goes by, that word becomes so loaded and so powerful. That is evil. You are a witch. You are with the devil. And when you cast those aspersions like that's not coming from a holy place. That's just saying my opinion is you don't stand with me. So you must stand against me. Think of every military battle that's happened for the last few thousand years all over mm -hmm. the earth. God is on our side with our army and Satan is on their side, you know, with their army. 
and the other side saying the same thing and one of you is wrong <laughs> right <laughs> i mean you know both sides are saying the same thing god vladimir putin just said it god is with us we are invading ukraine the west is satanists and we're we're we're, we're you know it started with looking for nazis in ukraine now it's looking for satanists like he's getting desperate you know and and so uh at some point when do we start saying like wait a minute wait a minute you know like satanists like do they literally mm -hmm. worship the devil uh and how because you can't defend yourself against that you can't defend yourself against someone that is that's accusing you of something like this and when you're using your belief system in order to put others down you can't you can't tell me that's good right if we're going right. to put a label on it that is evil that is darkness you know that is absolutely atrocious darkness and we're seeing it more and more today, which concerns the hell out of me. We see it in politics. Oh, that, you know, uh, Joe Biden, and I don't care if you like him or not. He said, you know, he's been in politics his entire life. And he said when he was younger, you disagreed on issues. Now uh, a person is just wrong and, and bad. And, and what do you do with that? So anything that comes out of a wrong or bad person's mouth is wrong, as opposed to Hey, you know, I disagree with you on like 60% of the things you're saying, but let's talk about the 40% we do agree on. None right. of that's happening because you're evil. You're with the wrong party. I, you know, he's evil. No one thinks they're evil. I mean, I know a few people sort of self-identify, but come on, right? That's, right. that's just, that's just playing a role. And ultimately, if, if it, if you self-identify as evil, then you probably think that's good. And here we are. All <laughs> right. Uh, and so, so it's really troublesome to me the way that the terms are getting thrown around. So let me sort of break apart. Um, uh, Greg Lawson, I, I spoke to our friend Greg Lawson, and I said, do mm -hmm. you believe in evil? And Greg works in law enforcement, as anyone who, who watches your show knows. And he said, you know, I, I, I work in prison sometimes, and 80% of those prisoners, like, you know, they, they, they're in there for drug addiction or whatever, and they probably shouldn't even be in a prison. They're, they're decent folks. He said, but there's a few where you look them in the eye and you realize if this cage wasn't between us, uh, you're going to hurt people. I would be in real trouble. And I said, okay, is that evil or is that a predator? And is that you using your many years of experience in law enforcement uh, and instincts recognizing a predator when you see one and knowing that if the predator gets out of the cage, then you're in danger. Other people are in danger. And he said, yeah, that's fair. I don't, I don't know. I mean, and maybe it doesn't matter even, you know? Mm -hmm. And so uh, the example you gave earlier of someone who hunts down and, and uh, you know, destroys people, not just financially, but like literally, you know, killing people and, and children and so on. Is that evil or is that a broken person who is acting in a predatory way uh, or, or a chaotic way, like a, literally a human tornado? And don't get me wrong, stop the tornado. I don't want the tornado in my neighborhood, in my town, and anywhere near me or, or anyone I love. Uh, so I, I hope our law enforcement's working on that. But are they evil? Because as soon as you call them that, uh, there, there's nothing to learn. You know what I mean? Um, you, you just, like you said, you become a holy crusader trying to eradicate something. So, And we become complacent to trying to fix or find ways to make things better, right? Because when once we, it's just that is the nature of life. Right. Right, right. That's there's, evil. There's, there's nothing there's, I can do about that. it. Yeah, and there's right. chaos. And not only that, mm -hmm. so think about this. Uh, the devil became, becomes the ultimate scapegoat. During mm -hmm. puritanical times, uh, some of these good, noble Puritans were having really erotic dreams, you know, about their neighbors, their married neighbors, and so on. And they wake up appalled 
How could that come? That didn't come from within me. I am the victim of an incubus or a succubus, right? There is a demon that put those horrible notions in me. No, you're a sexual person. You're repressed and you're having fantasies about your neighbors. It's one thing to have dreams about them. It's another to act on it, right? You get judged by mm -hmm. your actions, not by your thoughts. And still, though, they, they have to come up with something because I am a good Puritan. I go to church and I pray. I can't possibly be having erotic dreams about my neighbor. Sure you can. You're a human being. Uh, but but so we invent demons to sort of explain some of that. Or, uh, you know, the, the drug addict or the alcoholic that's like, you know, I'll have one more drink. The devil made me do it, right? The, the devil made me do it. He, uh, the devil's down there just saying like, oh, come on, Schrader, one more whiskey before uh, before we, you know, we go dancing tonight. Like, come on, one more drink. Like, I, really? I call him the Belanger at Michigan Paracon, but yeah, the devil. Right, Belanger, either way. You give whatever way. name, yeah. Yeah, but you know what I mean? And you're just like, like, right. like, like the devil could be bothered with something like that. Uh, the devil. Well, made I, me I've got to take a break, but I want right. to, I want to come back to that because I, I do have a, um, I, I have a version of that that I'd like you to, to try to address knowing sure. what you know. So stay tuned. We'll we'll talk more about that in just a few seconds. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. What's the first thing that you'd do if, say, you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run? Maybe take a nap, read a book, or just show up for a friend? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. And the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're like me, you think, I can get through a lot. And we can. We're a resilient species. However, there are times that we need to reach out that hand and get a little help from somewhere else. That's what I did with BetterHelp. When I reached that limit and I realized things were getting a little bit out of control, instead of taking it out on my family or taking it out on myself, I just decided to reach out and get the help that I deserve. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy, my darklings. Get BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com P60. Do that today. You're going to get 10% off your first month. That's better help h-e-l-p dot com slash p60 it's time to take control of your life dave's here rooting you on and if i can do this you can do this let's do this together betterhelp.com slash p60 there's a link for it on today's program guide oh don't worry chris jericho you'll see me there as always, I'm part of the Jericho Cruise. This will be my fourth consecutive cruise. I am the paranormal contingent. You can come aboard. We're going to be talking sea creatures and curses and mysterious ghostly ships and more. We're going to be sailing through the Devil's Triangle, and I want you to be a part of it with me. It is an amazing cruise filled with lots of fun, lots of laughter, and lots of entertainment. There is something for everyone, go get your tickets at chrisjerichocruise.com or go to darknessevents.com. That's darknessevents.com. Scroll down and click the link. You'll find it there. Today, we are dealing with the devil, Jeff Belanger, our guest. Jeff, 
the devil made me do it. We've talked about this in the past on our show and, and have discussed the, the concept of what is evil. What do you think of the fact that there are people like Ted Bundy? And now, obviously, the things he did are horrific. But in court, it is on record, in court, at one point when they found the body of one of his victims, he turned to his attorneys. They said his eyes turned black and he emitted a sulfur-like smell and they could see his face physically change. Not in a sense of anger or rage. They said it looked as if there was another being there altogether. This sounds like the quintessential version of possession. Sure. What do you uh, make of something like that when we talk about it's easy, like like I put in that first little meme that said the devil doesn't exist. Take it, you know, take control of your own actions and, and responsibility for the things you do. But in cases like this, there are cases where they have talked about this. Even in the Bundy tapes, they talk about the fact that when Bundy would start talking, his entire eyes would turn black, totally black in front of eyewitnesses. That seems otherworldly. That seems demonic. Sure. Well, we, we have to put some label on it, don't we? Because mm -hmm. that doesn't usually happen to people you talk to. So one of the problems is that almost all the world religions uh, operate under the notion of free will, that you mm -hmm. must have your own free will to choose to do good and get rewarded or do bad and get punished. And so mm -hmm. if someone is possessed, they lack free will, plain and simple. Now, some would tell you you relinquish that free will. Uh, at some point along the, the chain of command from, you know, influence to oppression to full on possession. I struggle with that notion. Uh, mm -hmm. But I also know that some people have multiple personalities. Some people have disorders that, that literally, um, you know, some people, their eye colors change, not to black, but from blue to, you know, blue to brown or whatever. Thank you. Thank you for bringing that up because I was, I, I wanted to lead in. There's an interesting facet of mm -hmm. uh, physiology and psychology, and there are records of this, folks. This isn't just two paranormal guys going off on a tangent, that there are people that have, have suffered from multiple personality disorder, that one of their personalities is diabetic and legitimately needs to be treated as a diabetic. But when they're not that personality, they don't have that issue. Um, that their eye colors change, there are radical changes in the element of who they are. Is somebody so broken? There is a, a serial killer out of Seattle, uh, Susan Cummins, a good friend of ours, has talked to me about this case, and he is this um, empathetic serial killer. He he was a great guy for all intents and purposes, just a great guy, suffered a head injury, and then began killing people. Right. But it was like he was watching it take place and couldn't be in control of those moments. To, to us, we want to put the construct of evil that something takes over in those moments. Something else leads the ship, right? And, and that he's doing this. But it might be a psychological snap. It might be something that turns off that voice that says, God, this guy in traffic's pissing me off. I want to pull my wheel and do him and knock him off the highway. But ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, that's not a good plan. And sometimes that voice just goes away for some people. Uh, so the road rage, I'm glad you brought up road rage, because to me, that's the most relatable thing. All of mm -hmm. us have, have been driving on the road and some jerks riding our butt or cuts us off. And you're like, and, and I'm like, like you said, I want to draw. I want to ram you off the road. And guess what? Some people do. 
right? Some people give into that and they slam into your car and they, they chase you in the parking lot and they punch you or they pull a gun on you. Some people go all the way to that extreme and kill you. So that happens. They snap. Did the devil make them do it or did they just lose control of themselves and, and they just they got right. in rage that they, they carried this through where the rest of us just get angry. Maybe we, we toss them the middle finger and we move on you know, with our lives. We take a deep breath and, and get on with our day without hurting anybody and, and going to jail and so on. The devil becomes this scapegoat. Oh, the devil made me do it. He cut me off and I got so angry. Like, no, you made you do it. Um, and, and this is, this is one of those things. Another, uh, way we use the devil. I, I, one of my favorite stories, Robert Johnson, the blues master, right? Yeah. Uh, Robert Johnson w- was, grew up, you know, super poor in Mississippi and musicians would come in and he'd ask to play their guitar, could barely play a lick. And then as he gets a little older, he goes away. He's gone for like a year. And when he come ba- when he comes back, he's got a guitar and he can play like he's ringing a bell. Right. And he writes the, the one, one album. It's all he ever did. Um, and, and the album has been covered by all the blues masters. Eric Clapton called him the most important blues player ever. Right. Uh, and, and this guy could play so well that people started saying he must've made a deal with the devil. There's no way you go from not being able to play to being that good in a year. Nobody could do it. Mm-hmm. And, right. and so what that does is it totally, uh, negates any of his talent, his, and, and his ability, his ear, like all those things. Uh, you know, he, the story is he went to the crossroads, sold his soul to the devil in exchange for learning how to play guitar. And that was it. And w- that stinks. Some people are just virtuosos and they just find their instruments late. Um, I mean, we've done it, right? There's people who are, who are skyrocketing in their careers and you're like, that no talent is this successful? Must have made a deal <laughs> with the devil, right? That's right. And, and you're like, wow, that not really fair there must be something there they've got drive determination or or luck that maybe you and i don't have and they're you know driving a ferrari and and we're you know hoping the toyota holds together with duct tape <laughs> right 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 so we blame the I devil thought we were gonna, i thought we were gonna keep our personal conversations about other people in the paranormal to ourselves jeff sorry uh <laughs> not even the paranormal about like all kinds right. of folks no, right like yeah like musicians like you know just like oh all right, but then let's look at that. That's a weird deal. We'll just touch on it briefly. Yeah. He he goes on to die at the age of 27. And right. then you look at this crazy list of musical superstars that all died at the age of 27 that that came out of obscurity and suddenly rocketed to fame and at the age of 27, like a candle yeah. in the wind. I, I right. was pretty wild at 27. I don't know. <laughs> it's, yeah, I, right. So, so speaking of the devil made me do it, uh, I was part of a shock doc uh, that came out, uh, I believe it was the end of last year, called The Devil Made Me Do It. It was the, you know, a, a, a companion to The Conjuring movie um, about the case of Ed and Lorraine Warren in Newtown, mm-hmm. Connecticut, which is where I grew up, um, where there was a, a kid living in Newtown, uh, went, rented a house in Newtown, rather, uh, but then ended up moving to um, Brookfield, the next town over. Uh, they believe that his girlfriend's uh, brother had been possessed by the devil, got an exorcism. Ed Lorraine Warren worked with him. But then at one point, this guy snaps, kills somebody, stabs him uh, in a drunken rage. It's the first murder in the history of Brookfield. And Ed and Lorraine Warren steal international headlines back in 1981 saying he shouldn't be held accountable for his actions. The devil made him do it. He was demonically possessed because they were trying to get on the stand and prove their life's work in a court of law. That's all Ed wanted to do. 
And, uh, I, you know, we, we sort of explored this case and, and, mm-hmm. and the notion. And Arnie Johnson was interviewed in this documentary and he said, I don't remember the killing, uh, which I believe him. I'm not I, I believe that's probably the case. He was probably drunk, blacked out, went into a moment of rage uh, and police found him like two hours later, just wandering around. He didn't put up a fuss. They said, hey, why don't you get in the car? OK, sure. You know, uh, and, and then the, it, it would have been just an open and shut case. Two drunks fighting over a girl. Uh, someone got stabbed, someone died, you know, open and shut manslaughter. And it was Ed Warren that, that just made this into a huge media frenzy. And the judge was very quick to say, once the case started, I'm not going to hear anything about any sort of demonic possession or demon or devil or any of that stuff. That's not going to be relevant to this case. And Ed would say, well, you put your hand on the Bible and you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth. So help me God. The church believes uh, the the courts rather believe in God. You must have to believe in the devil, and the judge and I believe rightfully so said, "Hey, you know, we're not going back to 1692 in Salem with spectral evidence, right? We're 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 going to stick to the facts and think about it. Had the judge allowed that argument, every single murder trial in America from that point on, everyone." would use that defense. All of them, 100% would say, hey, yeah, I was out of my mind in that moment. I'm sure you were. The road, ra- the road rage person who drove you off the road and chased you in the parking lot and shot you with a gun, they, they weren't in their right mind. They would admit that. They, they snapped and did a horrible thing in a very short period of time. But did the devil make them do it or did they lose control of their worst urges? It's a It's a weird construct, the whole belief system of what runs us legends and lore are set upon this right to mm-hmm. to keep us there are water creatures that keep the children from going too close to the edge there are forest beasties that keep children from going too close to the edge where there may be real real dangers wolves and and other things that maybe kids think are cute furry little animals and they want to go play with these dogs and so we need to create something more elemental, something more powerful to to guide. And fear is a very powerful motivator, obviously. As parents, we've used it. Our parents used it. Church has used it. You know, as I've gone along, I've, I've thought to myself, what is heaven and hell? And the more I've talked to people that have had near-death experiences, afterlife experiences, both good and bad, and talking to them in depth about their life, I've come to realize that I think these things are constructs of what we create in life, that my heaven is going to be, when I die, I'm going to get to revisit every moment where I made a good thing happen for somebody else. And not only do I get to see it through the vanity of my own eyes, but I get to live in that moment of Jeff Belanger's life, right? Uh, and and I get to live in that moment of my daughter's life and I get to feel to me, that's heaven getting to see all the good that I did. So I want, you know, like, like Marley says to Scrooge, you know, these are the chains I forged in life. I want to cut those chains back so that I have less because to me, that's hell. Every person I've hurt, I feel I'm going to have to revisit those moments. Every thing I've done to cause or influence somebody else's life, purposely to go into a bad place. I feel that's my hell. So I just want my visit to hell to be a lot shorter than my my entrance to heaven, which that to me has become what I believe it'll be. I, I believe that we are, our souls go to the places that we create for them. That's why 
so many different cultures have so many different experiences of what they believe heaven to be. So it's interesting. And so I've kind of set my mindset. I want that to be my, I understand I'm going to have to look back and pay those moments of debt, but I also want to make sure that I'm, I'm going to be able to enjoy the positive. So I'm doing my best to, to keep in the black, <laughs> you know, yeah, soul yeah. black. And again, is that my, my own way of trying to make myself feel better? Hell yeah. But to me, if we're going to create, let's create for the, for the good. Let's create a world, a universe, uh, an afterlife that serves us as opposed to, I'm going to be peeled of my flesh and and roasting over an open fire like chestnuts on on Christmas, right? So it's it, it you know does the devil take on its own life because of our belief in it? Does does evil exist and evil happen to people because we push it upon them? So here's the thing: I I I went I spent a year looking for the devil, right? Not mm-hmm. just in history books, not just in religious texts, but literally looking for the devil. In fact, uh, my my quest brought me up to Salem, Massachusetts, where I got to go to the Satanic Temple and interview mm. the co-founder of the Satanic Temple, uh, Lucian Graves. And there he is. And there we are with Baphomet. That statue is uh, famous or infamous, depending on your perspective. You might recall the case where the uh, the Oklahoma State House, someone had donated a Ten Commandments statue. And mm-hmm. so what Lucian right there did uh, was he said, OK, uh, what's the rule here? And they said, well, you know, taxpayers didn't have to pay for it. It was freely donated. He said, OK, so if there's religious freedom, then I would like to donate this Baphomet statue. Won't cost taxpayers a dime. I'd like to put it up, um, you know, somewhere on the grounds as well. And they said, no, you absolutely can't. And he said, well, why not? Either there's freedom of religion and everybody's got their own you know, freedom to express or you're only endorsing one religion. And it went all the way to the state Supreme Court that ruled seven to two that the Ten Commandments statue had to go because otherwise or they would have had to allow the, the Baphomet statue. And so uh, uh, Lucian, by the way, the head of the Satanic Temple, is is an atheist. He believes in neither the God, God nor the devil. Uh, and I said, well, you know, why do you have to do what you do? He's fighting really for religious separation of church and state, that that churches are fine and beliefs are fine, but they shouldn't be intertwined with uh, the running of the state. Because realistically, you don't want the state involved in your church and you don't want your church involved in the state. And, and he's right. I mean, every theocracy where you, you let a religion run a, run a government fails because at some point you're not the right brand of that religion. You know, you might think you're, you're on the right team right now, but ask the Taliban, right? What it's like to be Muslim. If you're not the, the Taliban version of Muslim, then you better not be in their country. You know, I mean, it's not mm-hmm. going to work out and it always goes that way. You know, it always goes that way. The people in power consolidate and you consolidate by saying the rules are exactly what I say. And it's my interpretation of this thing. And they're using religion and belief in order to, to maintain control, which is how it's been done since the beginning. However, uh, doing all this work, I came to realize exactly where the devil resides and he resides in me. And once you accept that, once you understand that when I uh, w- when I speak ill of other people, when I gossip, when I call someone evil or say, you know, you, Dave, are with the devil because you said this or because you like the Minnesota Vikings, you know, or whatever, you know, uh, at that point, I'm pulling the devil out of me. He's serving me and I'm throwing him to you. The best I can do is contain him, right? That's the very best I can do is keep him inside, keep him in his place and not let him out, not 
call someone else something so I can use the devil in me to put them below me. Because once you view another person or group of people as something below you, there's no limit to how poorly you can treat them. None. Uh, you can do unspeakable right. horrors to, to, to people that you think are below you in some way. And so if the devil's real, he's sitting inside of each and every one of us. And our job is to contain to when we get cut off in traffic to not let him out, to go chase that person down and to, you know, uh, keep him at bay uh, because that's, that's what, that's where the devil's always been. And historically speaking, he's gotten out plenty. He's gotten out when, during the Salem witch trials, he's, he gets out in politics every single day. When you hear politicians say this person's bad or evil, or this group is bad or evil. Like when you hear those words, please understand the person speaking them is, is darker than all of us. Um, was it, was it not the Australian poet, uh, Michael Hutchins, who, who told us devil inside devil inside each and every one of us has a devil inside. That's a great song and absolutely like, true. It's true. Little, it's little in excess. True. Yeah. And, and, you know, we have, we have our proclip, you know, we have our, some of us are inclined to alcoholism or to drug addiction or to any number of, of, of problems and, you, you know, when people call a drug addiction, uh, you know, you, you're fighting with your demons. I get it. I understand. Like, of course, that's 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 a uh, sort of like a personification of your struggle. And we all have inclinations towards certain things and we all have to fight them to stay on, on a good path for the sake of ourselves, our family, our communities. We want to create the kind of community that I, that I want to live in. I want to live in a world where people don't kill each other and, and hunt them down and don't do despicable things. But the reality is sometimes people are chaotic or they're broken uh, or they just they're wired differently than most of us. And if given the opportunity, they are going to do destructive things. And the best we can do is try to find those people and, and stop them before they destroy, uh, because there's always been destructive forces in our world. But the labels become more dangerous than the actual danger. Agreed. With the concept of of good and evil, God and the devil, we we want to try to make an understanding for ourselves and and for others, right? As parents, how do you delineate what each of these things are without having a construct, without having a title to give it? So it's understandable why we've adhered to these theories and thoughts for so long. Um, but, but on the other side, I mean, we, we kind of need the devil, right? There should be sympathy for the devil because without the devil, without that, that lesson to be learned from choosing poorly, right? It, it becomes more of a world of anarchy and chaos or am I, I don't know where I, I can tell kind of by your multiple reactions there, you've got a thought, go for it. So there are consequences for behavior always, right? If I hit you, you might turn the other cheek and say, Jeff, I, I, I don't resort to violence. You might, also, you might also haul off and hit me or shoot me or kill me or, or whatever, right? There's, there's consequences, and that's what we teach our children. Don't take a cookie before dinner. If you do, then there'll be a consequence. Maybe you don't get to watch TV tonight. And the kid goes, I want to watch TV tonight, and I want a cookie. You can have a cookie after dinner and watch TV if you do as I say. If not, 
well, you might steal the cookie, but you're not going to get to watch TV. And that's a consequence. And we all have to make decisions. You can speed down the highway, but you might get caught and you might get a ticket and that ticket might might hurt. Right. You can break laws. They're laws. Uh, but there's consequences. You might go to jail and lose your freedom. So that's crystal clear. There's there should be consequences. Uh, you can be mean to people. You can be gossipy and people may not want to be your friend. That's the consequence. You're lonely. And you're only surrounded by other people who like to gossip. And that must be a horrible existence. All so, right, Jeff, you can stop preaching to me about it. I won't gossip anymore. My God. Do you know what I mean? Like like right. the, the poison, the poison that we let out of us, because because let's face it, when you when you do these kind of things, it's because you're struggling with something in yourself and you're letting that, that devil out. I, I, I'm, and so when I asked in the beginning, is there such a thing as evil? I understand there's horror. There's terrible things. I don't want those things in the world. But to blame this one entity, to me, takes the responsibility away from everything else, from mm. us, you know, making sure mental health care is available for people and for us looking out for the broken folks and, and getting them the help before they break and before they do something destructive, like those kinds of things. It just becomes a what are you going to do? The devil's run amok among us. No, that's a, that's an excuse. And excuses are weak. Let's take accountability for our own actions. Let's look out for one another. Uh, and if we minimize the influence of the devil, then we can start to create that better world right now, today, immediately, you know, in, in, in our own little circle. And to me, that's the biggest message of hope at all of, of all of it. Instead of thinking I'm a heretic for suggesting maybe the devil's much more of a, a, a tool used to control the masses. Mm -hmm. um, and let's just take accountability all around. Um, I don't know. That seems like a better world to me than one where you've got the leader of Russia calling us all Satanists because he wants to invade a foreign land. I, uh, I find myself, as many of us do now, in a world that feels out of control and topsy-turvy. I remember growing up and dis, uh, disagreeing with many people, but still being able to have a relationship. Jeff, believe it or not, I love Jeff with my whole heart. I don't believe in everything he believes in. And that's okay. But I'm fascinated by why he believes these things. And I want to have these dialogues and these conversations. That's an important element of who we are. Choosing the life that we lead. Choosing the way that we choose to treat others. Even in disagreements. Sometimes in stopping and hearing what's really being said, we can understand that person and their position more. And maybe there is groundwork that we can work on together. You always want the other person to be the one to give when sometimes... You have to be the one to yield and let that person come forward and share. Because sometimes even in just sharing and getting it off their shoulders, that relief and that that release for them allows them now to hear you because they've now pulled down the bricks. So, so take those things into consideration and remember that the differences aren't what divide us. The differences are what bring us together to make a better world. At least that's my opinion. Well said, Dave. I appreciate Thanks, it, buddy. No, yeah. you know what? I mean, I think that uh, we're all trying to figure it out. And and as I said early on, the jury's still out for me, too. I'm trying to understand. And if I could leave with, you know, a, a closing thought, one might. Uh, Please. If, if, if we're asking, is there such a thing as evil? Well, then you also have to ask, is there such a thing as good? Whoa. Yeah, I, I know. Right. Or is it all of us trying to just create the world around us that we want to live in? And to me, good is being kind to others and, and looking out for one another and not hurting people if you can help it. 
right? That that Agreed. feels good to me. And um and and not everyone agrees, but we all do our best. Maybe there is nothing at the end of all of this. Maybe the candle does go out and that's all. Maybe we make the heaven that we seek right now in life. So make it the best heaven you can. Leave the hell behind because it doesn't serve you. So I, I love these kind of converse, conversations, Jeff. I love that you get our brains going and our juices flowing and our thoughts onto something different and give us a different perspective. So thank you for doing what you do, buddy. And uh, your show, New England Legends with Jeff Belanger. How often and regular are new episodes coming out so people can keep up with you? Every Thursday at noon, we've done a new episode for the last five years, hundreds of them, bunch of weird stories. They're short. They're they're produced tight with sound effects and voice actors and so on. You might even hear your buddy Dave on a couple of those. And uh, and it's just been a, a real labor of love. So uh, and I'm also got my fall story tour going. So if, if you live in New England, uh, I'll be all over New England for the month of October and into November. Excellent. I've got links for Jeff below on today's program guide so you can all find it there check it out and uh follow him get that book for yourself as well because it's going to help give you another new amazing perspective i'd like to thank my guest jeff belanger for a really fascinating discussion shining a light into the darkness of our culture and the boogeyman that we find there you can find more about Jeff at those links provided on today's episode guide. But again, treat yourself and go subscribe now to New England Legends with Jeff Belanger and Ray Auger. And thank you all for visiting the Paranormal 60, allowing me along on your journey. May the darkness be just a little more light with the information that we shared here. The devil is in the details, living in the moments of our lives that can define us. How you choose to live and treat others feeds the beast, or nourishes the soul. Please choose wisely. Make sure to like this video and the podcast, subscribe and tell everyone you know about it. And for our new podcast listeners, welcome to the family. Please rate and review the show. Go ahead, give it five stars. You know you want to write something beautiful about the program that you've just listened to. And we'll see you again next year or next week right here on the Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader. And this Friday with a brand new episode of Freaky Friday, Aaron Sagers from the brand new TV series on Netflix, 28 Days Haunted, will join me as he turns the tables, as it is often the case on these Freaky Friday episodes. Uh, it's going to be an interesting talk. Holzer Files, Devil's Perch, Ed and Lorraine Warren, hauntings, and more. That's this Friday right here on the Paranormal 60 with Dave Schrader.